Welcome to PFF Wire. I'm Doug Kide, joined as always by Brad Spielberger. Brad, how is your Friday afternoon going today? Well, the nerd in me loves the NFL we're in now, where I really think we are seeing a new era of player movement and, and teams more open to the idea of moving big name players and and letting other teams kind of go all in and do stuff. So it, it's a fun time for the NFL right now. It definitely is. I just got back from Gillette Stadium, picked up some credentials, going to the game on Monday night against the Bears. So it was good to get some sun out there. But let's talk about the Christian McCaffrey trade. You were just talking about it a little bit. Christian McCaffrey traded from the Carolina Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers for second round pick, third round pick, fourth round pick, all in the 2023 NFL draft, plus a fifth round pick in 2024. This doesn't come as a massive surprise that Christian McCaffrey was traded because he was a name who was very hot on the trade market over the last week or so. But I would say that him going to the San Francisco 49ers wasn't necessarily the top team that we were expecting him to go to. At the same time, I mean, the 49ers do obviously value their running backs maybe a little bit too much given how much draft capital they've now invested in the position over the last few years. Uh, but what, what was your initial thought to this? I mean, it broke basically in the fourth quarter of last night's Saints-Cardinals game. For this trade was the Los Angeles Rams, and Ian Rappaport confirmed that last night, saying they were also in the conversation offering a day two pick. I think potentially also including Cam Akers in that trade to kind of you know get a win win for both parties as it relates to moving the running backs. But you know it's fascinating for a number of reasons. So first, like I mentioned, Christian McCaffrey now sets the record for a non quarterback for the most dead cap left behind in a trade. Just another you know example of how teams are not letting sunk costs hold them back. Um, other things that are interesting, the Panthers end up paying $27 million for six games of Christian McCaffrey's extension. This was the first year, uh, technically, if you include his fifth-year option in 2021, this was the first year of his new deal, I should say. So they paid you know, almost $30 million for six games of McCaffrey on the extension. Um, and then lastly, this is a big-time trade compensation package. Depending what draft chart you look at, the NFL still does, if folks want to know and follow along. They use the Jimmy Johnson chart. They don't admit that. It's the case. <laughs> Um, they had it at a late first. The over-the-cap chart uh, had it as a top-five pick. The PFF chart had a top-ten pick. Nevertheless, a first-round pick return for a running back is a, is a great trade for the Carolina Panthers and GM Scott Fitterer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even as recently as yesterday, I was asking around the league, like, what do you think the Panthers will wind up getting for Christian McCaffrey? And you know, people thought a second-round pick plus something else, third-round pick plus something else. And clearly this is, yes, a second-round pick plus something else, but the something else is a lot more than a, a, what was expected out of this deal. And, yeah, I mean, I, I put that out there on Twitter last night that if you go by that Jimmy Johnson trade chart, this is – what, somewhere between like the 20th to 25th, somewhere around there, 25th-ish pick, it, it, like right around there in the first round of the draft. It's definitely a first-round pick, um, and that's what the Carolina Panthers were aiming for. Scott Fitterer said that today, that you know they had other offers on the table. People with first-round picks were not willing to give up their first-round pick, but the 49ers clearly were willing to give up a package uh, that was the equivalent to them of a first-round pick. So, I mean, yeah, I was really impressed with the draft haul. Clearly, I think they would have preferred to actually get an actual first-round pick, but I also think that this allows them to build just as well, maybe even better, uh, with all these additional picks in the second, third, fourth round, everything like that. And um, I know that Ian Rapport said today in a report that this allows the Panthers to move up if they need to for a quarterback. I don't think we necessarily expect that to be the case. I think they'll probably have the top pick in next year's draft. You know, maybe you could sneak in some uh, accidental wins at the end of the season. Yeah. We saw it with Miami Dolphins. And They're not tanking. The reason they, have, they have Tua Tagovailoa and not Joe Burrow. Um, so, you know, it's good assurance, but I agree with you. Um, always good to have that insurance if necessary. And then, yeah, you mentioned the Niners. Um, you know, no first, second, third, or fourth round pick next year, which when you have a quarterback that you tried to move on from this offseason, you know, we're not always trying to be PFF nerds and running backs and all that, like, 
you you can make more aggressive moves. I think there's more justification for it when you have an elite quarterback on your roster. When you right. don't, and you're making this massive gamble, it's less about us just you know devaluing the position and more just you don't trust the most important position in the sport. You look at the playoff games last year; he didn't go throw for 150 yards in any of the games. Like you're gonna lo- you might lose a game that way, and, and McCaffrey can't necessarily save you there. But nevertheless, they step up to make the big move, and I think the Rams, the, you know the a- 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 NFC West rival, the Obviously, good buddies with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. That can that can spur moves as well. Um, and like you said, Kyle Shanahan is not afraid to spend on running backs. Yeah, I think that McCaffrey might have even made an, a bigger impact on the Rams if he had gone there. Just because, I mean, I feel like the Rams running back depth is a little bit more depleted uh, than the 49ers at this point. It's kind of a similar situation, but Jeff Wilson's been effective. Elijah Moore is good when healthy. But uh, just one last thing on this McCaffrey trade. I'm fascinated to see actually how he's even used in San Francisco because you kind of have two players at two different positions that do somewhat of the same things in Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Like Christian McCaffrey is a running back who has spent a decent amount of snaps in the slot and a wide receiver. Debo Samuel, a wide receiver who spent even more snaps in the backfield for the 49ers. So I think that this does give them some, some more added creativity, versatility in their offense. Um, obviously, Chris McCaffrey's probably going to be playing almost every snap for the 49ers, given what they gave up for him. I think he's fourth this year overall uh, as far as running backs go and snaps. So he's a guy who's been, you know, when he stays healthy, he's on the field for almost every snap. But that's the other big thing here is if Christian McCaffrey can actually stay healthy enough uh, to make this deal worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, well, one last note, too. I tweeted this last night. We got a comment reminding me, so I appreciate that. Right. Witness. Uh, the Niners yeah. do have compensatory picks this year. They have won the last one for the departure of Robert Sala and Martin Mayhew. And then they have won this year and one next year for head coach Mike McDaniel. Yep. So they do have a, maybe you know two picks that are going to be right around 100. Um, but yeah, for their offense, look, again, I think it's going to be a dynamic, like they're going to, Kyle Shanahan is going to scheme up some wild, wild things. I saw a funny tweet that, you know, he has all these weapons now. He's going to have McCaffrey fake Devo Samuel fake George Ke- and then Kyle Juszczyk's gonna rip one off for 40 yards that's just but anyway yeah he, he's got a lot at his disposal I think he'll be very creative and how he deploys all of them I, I will say um I think it was like a week ago maybe two weeks ago something like that uh you and you and Nate Tice were going back and forth about how valuable running backs are in the NFL and I, I wanted to I want to squash the beef a little bit so I threw in a joke and said you know what's actually going to happen is that a Shanahan disciple is going to trade for Christian McCaffrey and they're going to wind up playing Devontae Freeman over him so the first half of that has happened now it's just a matter of the 49ers uh signing Devontae Freeman stay by your phone Devontae stay by your phone they could do that with uh Tevin Campbell as well Tevin Campbell could slot in there instead of uh Devontae Freeman uh let's talk about another trade possibility it seems like uh the New York Jets wide receiver Elijah Moore did not practice yesterday initially reported as a personal matter I think that people actually thought that it was something to do with his family then it comes out wasn't a personal matter he actually wants to be traded. So this is a pretty bizarre situation, honestly, for Elijah Moore. Yes, he's not getting a lot of targets right now. He's only got about 200-something receiving yards. Uh, the Jets in general are succeeding. They're 4-2, and two, but they're just not really throwing the ball that much with Zach Wilson. But, I mean, my biggest takeaway on this is that you're a second-year player in Elijah Moore. He missed six games with injury last year. He was a second round pick. The team is four and two. It's just not a great look to be requesting a trade at this point. Like off season. Yeah. I think it's fair to to request a trade. And I can see from his perspective, if he only winds up with four or 500 yards this season, then maybe no one's going to want him. But in the middle of a four and two stretch, this is kind of a tough look right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, again, there's several fascinating components to this. So first, like you said, it's so early in his career. Um, but I think and I think it's what's fascinating is apparently what was the catalyst here was he had a blow up with offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur. I looked yesterday because I was curious if there was a split between his targets on scripted plays, which we define as the first 15 plays of the game and then non-scripted plays, which is the rest of the playbook when the quarterback maybe is more, you know, freelancing as opposed to just following a play and getting guys open and more is targeted more 
more than David are the same amount. He has 10 targets on scripted plays. Corey Davis and Gary Wilson have 10 combined. But then after scripted plays, those guys you know, surpass him by a great degree. So is his problem really with Michael Floor or is Zach Wilson not looking his way? But I think also Mike Renner, our draft analyst, did point out he's playing way more out wide, was a slot receiver in the NFL. So maybe that's part of the issue. He wants to be deployed there. A couple of dynamics. He is, has the same agent as Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown, two guys that also requested trades this offseason. One got the trade in A.J. Brown. The other got a massive extension in Debo Samuel that that kind of, you know, made those concerns go away. So, and then lastly, Denzel Mims, the second-round draft pick the year before, is on the roster, never plays. Ironically enough, will play this weekend because more is not. But there's just kind of so many elements to where this comes from. But anyway, long answer short, you and I, I think, agree are 99.9% player-friendly pro player. Mm -hmm. I, I think it is a bit kind of ridiculous, frankly, this early when the team's winning games for the first time in forever to be asking for a trip. Yeah, and uh, I should have mentioned this off the start. The Jets uh, have said, I think, to multiple people now that they're not going to grant the trade request for Elijah Moore, which, from their perspective, yeah, that 1,000% makes sense since it's the same regime that just drafted him. If this was like a, a different coach, different GM, then maybe uh, you could you could accommodate something. But, I mean, definitely not a great sign that Elijah Moore now not going to play this week for the Jets. And, you know what, Jets fans – I know in general are not very happy with, with PFF right now. They think that every single one of their players should be a, a 95 plus graded player right now. So I don't think this is going to really please them that much, but this is obviously, yes, it's somewhat of an Elijah Moore problem. As you said, I kind of think it's a Zach Wilson problem too, because Zach Wilson has struggled a little bit more now in recent weeks. He, he was actually PFF's, Top graded quarterback from his draft class a couple of weeks ago. Last week wasn't so wasn't so great for him. But Elijah Moore was getting the ball more when Joe Flacco was the quarterback. And obviously, you want Zach Wilson to start. They're having success with Zach Wilson. I have no problem with Zach Wilson being in there. But I think that Elijah Moore just kind of needs to be a little bit more patient. Wait for Zach Wilson to actually be putting up 300, 400 yard passing games if he can get up to that point. Because then, yeah, the ball will get spread around, but Zach Wilson just not throwing the ball right now. So not everyone's going to have 100 yards in each game. He completed 10 passes against Green Bay. And, you know, the right. game script was they were up the entire time. They should be running the football. It's also, again, I mean, I get it's tough. I do get it's a business and and more wants to get paid. So, you know, I understand where he's coming from. But, right. again, do you also want to win? They added two tight ends this offseason. He was a top 10 pick on Garrett Wilson. Yeah, it, it might lead to you getting less touches. And I totally understand the frustration there. But, yeah, you're 4-2. and two. They're on their first three-game win streak since 2019. Those things sometimes do have to kind of balance each other out. Um, you know, unfortunately to the detriment of his looks. Uh, obviously, the Panthers are, are big in the in the news right now because of the Christian McCaffrey trade, but there's a lot else swirling around about them, one of which is that they will need a head coach after the season. Um, and there was a tweet uh, from, I am now forgetting his name, but he posted this transcript of what Jay Glazer said on Fox Sports Radio. And I'm obviously not going to read this whole thing, but I thought a few lines in this of what Jay Glazer was saying about uh, the Panthers' head coaching search, about other players that they could trade, was pretty fascinating. He said that the Panthers reached out to me, that being Jay Glazer. Hey, would Sean Payton be interested? He said that Sean Payton, uh, he didn't, doesn't see Sean Payton going there. Later on in this, he says, Sean Payton is not going to be your next head coach. Carolina Panthers, Sean Payton will not be your next head coach. Uh, but I thought it was pretty fascinating that, you know, Glazer is saying that the Panthers are reaching out to him basically for advice on their head coaching search. But then he also gave them advice and said, look, they got a bunch of Matt Roll picks in there and they like a lot of their young defensive players. But I told them, listen, if someone's going to give you the world for Derek Brown or Burns or somebody, go for it. Start over with somebody new. Don't get married to somebody else's talent. I know teams are calling you out. Guys like that. I know there's been a lot of skepticism that the Panthers would actually trade Brian Burns or Derek Brown. Certainly don't see it being J.C. Horn or anything like that. But when Scott, Scott Fitterer was talking today, he said that, you know, they've got They've had interest. They'll listen to anything, but that they want to keep that young defensive core in there. I do think it's interesting, though, that Jay Glazer is – they clearly value Jay Glazer's advice on their head coaching search, and now he's telling them, like, hey, listen to anything. If you can get the world for these players, then go for it. 
It is interesting because I think it goes both ways to where if you're trying to attract a head coach, you want some young talent to be the nucleus yeah. that you can then build off of at the same time. Like you're saying, you also, you know, you know in the NFL, a lot of co coaches and, and GMs come in and they want their guys, which is probably not the greatest way to go about it. But nevertheless, is the reality, um, you know, Burns also is he heading into his fifth year option season because of Pro Bowls. I want to say he has either the second highest or the highest I think it's second highest, um, you know, valuation for that about $17 million. I think I'm um, just a fifth year option. So, you know, and, and could make really good money. Him, Montez Sweat, Rashawn Gary, all in that draft class coming up for new deals. So, you know, realistically could be making 20 plus million dollars per year. And while he may be worth it on an individual basis, if you're again, trying to rebuild this team that is in a very, very bad financial situation are projected over the cap, I guess were before the McCaffrey trade, but you know, are not in a super healthy situation going forward. They need, Need to kind of rebuild, retool, add some young surplus value talent via draft picks. So I get what he's saying, but I would also be, I think it's fair for Carolina to say yes, but only if we're truly blown away. We're talking maybe multiple right. first round pick type of deal because, you know, it's hard to land a Brian Burns with the 16th overall pick in the draft. I mean, that, that was a great draft pick. And so it is interesting to the coaching point. I think it is smart of them to say, maybe not they want it publicly, but smart of them to at least think internally you want a, an NFL experienced head coach. Again, don't go for some retread that is, you know, had given 10 chances, but they tried the college thing. They have a good defense, but I think it's smart to, you know, try to get an offensive coach if possible. Maybe don't pigeonhole yourself if it doesn't work out and, and completely rule out a guy like a Demico Ryans or some of those type of candidates. But yeah. I think you should prioritize offense if possible, considering, you know, your 31st in EPA per play, you know, the last two seasons with the quarterback carousel you've been dealing with. So I think it makes sense. I think it's smart. Um, I wonder what those names turn up. You know, you've talked about Frank Smith and some of the candidates that are coordinators. Are those guys experienced enough or do they right. want, you know, like a Sean Payton, are they keeping an eye on Frank Reich? Are they keeping an eye on Mike McCarthy? Are they trying to convince Gary Kubiak to unretire? Like what are the real kind of candidates that they're, they're truly eyeballing? Yeah, it is definitely an interesting situation. With Brian Burns, he's having uh, one of his best NFL seasons this year. He he didn't grade particularly well for us last year, but he's grading much better this year. I would say, obviously, the Panthers need a quarterback, and they're probably going to use that top pick on a quarterback, whether it's you know Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. But there's a lot of season left in college, and you know there was a time when everyone thought that Tua Tagovailoa was going to be the top pick in his draft, and obviously that didn't happen. You know, if they do wind up getting whatever it is, a, a top 15 pick, top 10 pick, whatever it would be for someone like Brian Burns, maybe you, you, I, someone threw this out to me. I didn't necessarily agree with it, but saw a source, I'd say a league source threw out the possibility of like, hey, what if they took Will Anderson first overall and then just waited on the quarterback and got someone like Will Levis? Then you replace Brian Burns with maybe particularly like a cheaper player or maybe a player with maybe slightly higher upside. Then you wait on your quarterback. Like I said, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen, but that would be the other alternative of trading a guy like Brian Burns where you actually replace him with someone at the position who's going to come in cheaper than he, what he's going to cost next season on the fifth-year option and then moving forward if they decide to franchise tag him or sign him to a contract extension. So, yeah, there, there's a few different things at play there. Uh, just real quick before we get into fantasy news and notes, Saints Cardinals last night, obviously, like I said, it was overshadowed a little bit by Christian McCaffrey. But I mean, you were tweeting about this a little bit earlier today. The Saints are in they're in rough shape right now. Very, very rough shape. And, and I know we kind of had this battle. All of us salary cap nerds, you know, every offseason have this this argument and debacle with the Saints fans. And we get it. You can become cap compliant. Obviously, you can become cap compliant. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. But when you are pushing all of your money down the line season after season on aging players, on now injured players like Michael Thomas, it does eventually catch up to you. And it has caught up to them. I know they tried to get into Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. They fell short there. But you now don't really have a quarterback on your roster long term. I mean, Ian Rapport has been saying for the last week now that when Jameis is healthy, Dalton may stay the starter. Granted, that might change after back-to-back -back right. pick sixes in a minute last night. But but so you don't have quarterback settled. Your two best defensive players, arguably, are Cam Jordan, who will be 34 next year, and Demario Davis will be 34 next year. Marshawn Lattimore, obviously a very good player as well. But then, mm -hmm. you know, Michael Thomas has the biggest cap hit on the team. Is he ever going to be a guy that can play 17 weeks for you? We have no idea. Like, it's really ugly. They are $54 million over a projected salary cap we have. They have no first-round pick. They have no 2024 second-round pick. I mean, this is what happens. And I would say when you had Drew Brees, 
It was far more understandable. Once you don't have the quarterback, it just does not make sense. And and they are in a hole that could last for a couple of years. Yeah, and I think that they had high hopes for this season that, you know, Jameis would be able to carry them and that they added all this talent around him. But the talent has been injured, which certainly hasn't helped. But I also just think that, like, yeah, you need the quarterback. So the the biggest issue there. I guess one of the biggest issues is they, they don't have a first-round pick because they traded it as part of the Trevor Penning deal. The alternative there, though, or the other side of the coin, is that they will probably wind up getting a first-round pick if a team wants to trade for Sean Payton. That being said, though, wouldn't it be much better to have two first-round picks, you know, to, to have your, your 2023 first-round pick um, plus the whatever you get for Sean Payton? I mean, because, yeah, they basically need to either keep doing this veteran quarterback carousel that's not necessarily starter money or they what they desperately need is a quarterback on a rookie contract and it's just more difficult to do that uh without the first round pick but i did also think i mean as much as we want to criticize the saints and everything like that i did think that was a a nice bounce back game for the cardinals uh last night question about it and it's funny you know deandre hopkins comes back and had 14 targets last night uh, 11 <laughs> catches i mean just immediately showing how valuable and important he is to that team robbie anderson barely played also found notable aj green played zero snaps last night and as far as we know was not healthy and just i think being kind of phased out of that offense when marquise brown does return i mean it might be hard for green to get on the field and that's the team that plays you know five wide receivers more than any other team in the nfl by a significant margin so i thought that was notable as well but yeah they needed that game Credit their defense, two young players in Marco Wilson and Isaiah Simmons, both with the uh, the return touchdowns. Your tweet uh, of Wilson doing the front flip in the end zone was hilarious. That was one of the best camera you know captures of the entire NFL season. But, yeah, they needed that game. They now get the extended rest in the mini bye week, try to get their season back on schedule. Um, you know, we also did see, though, we, Kyler Murray kind of yelling at Cliff Kingsbury. It does happen. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. But, you know, yeah. he told him to call him the F down like five times and was screaming at him. Uh, so I don't think these are perfect things there uh but deandre hopkins is always a you know a solid cure for your ales yeah, yeah you know benjamin uh, played well in that game i thought that keontae ingram had some decent carries in there as well and and yeah it's so funny a guy like aj green who was obviously one of the best wide receivers in the nfl for like almost 10 years is now this just like crazy afterthought in a cardinals offense that just traded for robbie anderson so they clearly feel like they need wide receiver help um, but yeah, nice little bounce back game for the Cardinals there, but it is funny that even in a win, a big win over the saints, still some yelling at each other on the sideline and the Marco Wilson thing, it was the greatest flip I've ever seen probably in my entire life. Like outside of maybe like watching the Olympic gymnastics or something like that. And the funny thing was that I had like basically just gotten off the phone with Marco Wilson's dad, ironically enough, or, or weirdly enough, because I was talking to him um, about a story that, that I wrote um, about another player that, that he he's training. And yeah, it was just so strange that I was like just off the phone with uh, with uh, Marco Wilson's dad and, and he's doing this fantastic flip in the end zone. So uh, that was cool to see him do that. Let's take a quick break uh, for one of our sponsors. PFF Wire is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at Western southern.com slash pff all right let's get into fantasy news and notes we're gonna go game by game here starting off with the falcons and Bengals. not a lot of injuries in this one as of thursday jamar chase uh, was limited with a hip injury but uh the Bengals are favored by six and a half points and the point total is 47 and a half Yep, T. Higgins back to full practice finally, which is great news for him. Um, And a huge injury on the opposite of those guys. Casey Hayward Jr. was put on uh, injured reserve. Um, Their number two corner opposite of A.J. Terrell, a really, really good veteran player for a long time. It's a big loss. They did have fourth-round sophomore pick Darren Hall stepped in last week, actually in in half a game at a 90 PFF grade. But, you know, obviously very, very small sample, but of course encouraging. But that could be a big loss against, obviously, a Cincinnati offense that's trying to get going. Um, On the other side of the ball, though, D.J. 
DJ Reader not being there for Cincinnati. I mean, Arthur Smith is one of the best run game coordinator executors in the entire NFL, and I think he can take advantage of that. The New Orleans Saints certainly did in their loss to to, uh, to Cincinnati, kind of just abusing them up front in the middle at the point of attack without DJ Reader. So I think both offense offenses can score a lot of points in this game. Definitely. Uh, yeah. It, what's the point total on that one? It is 47 and a half. Yeah. yeah, I could definitely which see which a lot of points. This season's high. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Next up, the Cowboys are favored by seven points at home against the Detroit Lions. Point total is 49 in this game. You've got uh, wide receiver DJ Chark did not practice as of yesterday. Josh Reynolds did not practice as of yesterday. Running back, uh, lines running back DeAndre Swift was limited in practice yesterday, uh, but he said that he is pushing towards playing. Just from a betting angle in this one, I was actually just listening to to some uh, Boston sports radio on the way home, and they had uh, RJ Bell on, who's kind of a, a betting expert, and he, he made some good points in, uh, on this game, and one of them was just that you know, maybe Dak Prescott coming back from that, that, you know, hand injury a week too early, just because, you know, Cooper Rush had some success there. Obviously there was a quarterback controversy or, you know, Jerry Jones was acknowledging one for a few weeks there that died down a little bit, but you know, it probably would have made more sense for Dak Prescott to take the buy next week's buy before coming back in this game. But just if, if Dak Prescott's not hundred uh, percent, the tr- Detroit Lions have been good on backdoor covers the, this season. I could just see, you know, the, the lions um, at least covering in this game against the Cowboys with a seven point uh, point spread. It's a good note. They're also coming off a buy of their own, and they did have a handful of injuries they needed to get, get guys healthy from. And they have one of the better tackle duos in the NFL in Taylor Decker and Penny Sewell. Yeah. So, you know, no one can can stop Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Dorrance Armstrong and all these guys. But, right. you know, their offensive line is better suited than most to at least slow them down a little bit. So I like that as well. I don't know if I'm betting either side, but seven points seems like a lot where we don't know exactly where Dak Prescott stands right now. Yeah, and that that point total is high too at forty nine points, um, especially with how you know stingy Dallas's defense has been at least in the pass rushing game. I don't know, so I, I would probably lean towards taking the Lions and the under in that game. Uh, but uh, next up, Colts and Titans. Titans are favored by two and a half points at home. Point total is forty two and a half. Big fantasy injury here to note: Jonathan Taylor has been practicing in full this week on that ankle injury. Uh, he said last week, uh, I was expecting him to play last week based on what had happened uh, in the Thursday night game before that, but he said that it just didn't really feel right in practice last week. That's why he sat out, uh, but now he's been a full go. Naheem Hines has been a full go, so at least looks like it's trending towards those guys being good to go. Still worth kind of monitoring that situation on game day, but definitely a positive sign that Jonathan Taylor has been a full participant in practice. Doubt about it. That was pretty funny. Deion Jackson had 10 receptions in their game. Uh, you know, it was, it was certainly a serviceable replacement for both of those guys. You know, uh, Naheem Hines more the receiver, T- Taylor more the carrier. Um, but yeah, obviously massive to get these guys back. And this is a huge, huge divisional game. The Colts already lost at, or excuse me, at home against Tennessee. So they lose this game. The odds of winning the division really do get much, much tougher um, going forward. So I think it's a huge game. Tennessee also team up a bye that could use it with some injuries of their own. They're seemingly really hit you know tough with the injury bug the last two seasons but i think this will be a great one i'm afraid of touching it at all because i think it's it's a game where both teams i think really are going to give their maximum maximum effort in this game i'm excited for this one uh we do have one question here from crazy gideon oh crazy gideon asks joe burrow over two and a half pass touchdowns a good bet i'll throw that one to you brad I like it. I would have to know kind of the plus money or minus. Um, maybe if you <laughs> let us know, we, we can touch on it again. But I do because I think, as I mentioned, not only do I like the matchup for Cincinnati from a scoring standpoint, it's a bad defensive line rushing the passer. So Burrow should have time. They're missing Casey Hayward. But then also because Atlanta, I expect to score as well, means that Cincinnati might have to keep throwing the ball, which is a big part of when you want to bet these you know, two and a half touchdowns. You need the game script in your favor. So I do like it pending if it's you know minus money or plus money. But I uh, Plus money, yeah, I, I would, I would throw a little bit, a little bit of scratch on that. I, I like that. Uh, I did think that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase both looked back to form last week as well. Uh, next up, Packers favored on the road against the Washington Commanders, and I'm a moron. I did not include the point total on this one, so we'll have to look that up real quick while I run through the injuries. I'll, I'll let Brad handle that maybe uh, while I run through the injuries. I got gotcha. you. 
What is it? 41 and a half, so very low total. 41 and a half, low total there. Uh, on the Packers' side, wide receiver Randall Cobb did not practice yesterday with an ankle injury. Christian Watson did not practice yesterday with a hamstring injury. Don't think we expect to see either one of those guys on Sunday against the Commanders. On the Commanders' side, you've got Diamond Brown, uh, Logan Thomas out. Taylor Heineke is going to start at quarterback. And rookie wide receiver Jahan Dotson is questionable. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... I kind of lean towards the Packers on this one. I know they've had their struggles, but Washington Commanders have just been so bad. Taylor Heineke, though, kind of a wild card in this one. I I almost feel like I'd feel more comfortable taking the Packers if it was Carson Wentz at quarterback. I I think that's fair. Uh, Heineke's plucky every once in a while. He can kind of give you some good. The bad does mix in. I do think, though, um, I'm surprised Dotson's even listed as questionable, frankly. I did this last week with Keenan Allen. I'll do it again. Again, preface, I'm not giving breaking news, but Dotson pulled up with a hamstring. It's been bothering him for a couple weeks now. There was a video of him in practice where it looked like he re-injured it. This happened to Rondell Moore earlier in the season and Keenan Allen earlier in the season where they were close to returning. They tweaked the hamstring on a Thursday or a Friday, and then both missed multiple weeks, not just one week. So I personally would be shocked if Jahan Dotson plays in this game. Yeah, Keenan Allen still uh, still wasn't back as of last week. Next up, we've got the Buccaneers favored by 13 points on the road against the Panthers. And the point total is only 39 and a half. Uh, in this one, you've got uh, Julio Jones was still limited last week with a, with a knee injury. And they said today that they're going to be kind of taking it slow, playing the slow game with Julio Jones. And Panthers quarterback Baker Mayfield, doubtful with an ankle injury in this one. Uh, they've still got P.J. Walker, Jacob Beeson there at quarterback. Sam Darnold has returned to practice, but doesn't really sound like that would be an option yet quite, uh, quite yet at this point. But... Panthers team depleted now uh, without Christian McCaffrey and so so odd to see a trade like that so late in the week where now the Panthers kind of have to scramble a little bit. I mean, they, I would say that maybe they knew that they were going to wind up trading Christian McCaffrey this week, but I don't think his teammates certainly knew. Uh, So now, yeah, Chuba Hubbard, Deontay Foreman going to have to take over for Christian McCaffrey in that offense. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, not all points are created equal in spreads, but still, this moved two points, which is a ton for a running back. I mean, some quarterbacks are valued at two points. So it was minus 11 last night, and that could just be the public maybe reacting and not necessarily sharp betters, but nevertheless, when a line moves that many points off of seemingly one piece of information, you know, look, McCaffrey is a running back again, but he's probably the best receiving running back in the NFL or up up there in that conversation. Like you said, he's on on the field on 95% of snaps, so just so so important to this team um again though the tampa bay was on the road laying 10 points last week against a pittsburgh steelers team that did not have a secondary or a starting secondary and it did matter that they they could not win that game so as much as it could be a total blowout and a get right game for tampa bay i'm personally not laying two touchdowns you know with them right now yeah i'd almost feel a little bit more comfortable taking the panthers and the points because or and the the panthers and, and the under here just because i don't know the Buccaneers kind of need to prove it to me that they're going to beat a team uh, by 13 points here. I think that they still win, but I don't know. 13 points is a lot. Next up, we've got the Giants and the Jaguars. This one is a little bit confusing me. The Jaguars favored by three points at home over the 5-1 and one Giants. Point total is 43. As of yesterday, Giants wide receiver Kadarius Tony did not practice. Running back Saquon Barkley limited on the Jaguars side. Jamal Agnew wide receiver did not practice. And wide receiver Marvin Jones was limited. Obviously, this tells you that you know Vegas or whoever's you know betting on these games is still not taking the Giants seriously, which you know, roster construction-wise, talent-wise, everything like that, I can understand. But the Giants have been winning tough games this season. Brian Dable has been doing a great job. Uh, great coaching staff there in New York. Yeah, I guess it's possible the Giants could lose this one, but I, the Jaguars have kind of underperformed this season uh, from my perspective. So this is one where, you know, kind of the underlying metrics really tell the story. Obviously, the records are strongly in favor of the Giants, but you look at early down expected points added per play, which is one of the most telling predictive metrics of how a team's actually performing. I also looked at this and I, and I adjusted it for opponent as well. The Jaguars are playing better than expected on offense and defense when adjusting for opponent I'm, in that early down EPA per play. The Giants are the opposite. They're underperforming in both areas. So again, we know, yes, the wins and losses matter more than 
some you know crazy metric right. I just said that half of you just tuned out for. But this is what Vegas looks at and how these spreads are right. set and how these lines are made. And so I get it is you know you might see that go oh, wow the five and one Giants plus three um, completely understandable. They very well could win or cover that spread. Um, but yeah, the underlying data really shows the Jaguars are a better football team. Just have not been having you know having the results go their way so far. Definitely not so far. We'll see how Trevor Lawrence can perform in that game. Uh, next up, we've got the Browns and the Ravens. Ravens favored by six and a half points at home. Point total, 45 and a half. Uh, tight end, uh, Ravens tight end Mark Andrews was practicing today. Running back J.K. Dobbins was not at practice. And then wide receiver Rashad Bateman was limited as of yesterday. Based on some of the reports out there, kind of seems like Mark Andrews likely will play. After not practicing today, I'd, I'd be cautious with J.K. Dobbins. I'm, I'm not quite sure if uh, if that's looking positive for him to play in that game. And if he doesn't, probably see a lot of Kenyon Drake a lot uh, this upcoming weekend. Kenyon Drake was very productive uh, last week um, on Sunday. That being said, though, like basically all of his whatever it was, 119 yards or whatever it was, was before contact. He wasn't really making guys miss, wasn't really you know running after contact so much. It was some great blocking up front by the Ravens. So it's possible that Kenyon Drake could turn back the clock to 2020 again in this matchup against the Browns, but um, I wouldn't say that he was necessarily creating his own yards in that game. It's notable because, you know, Cleveland has not had uh, practice. Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, I think Clowney's expected to not play. Am I right there? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah. Um, and uh, so Denzel, no, Denzel Ward. Yeah. Denzel Ward is out. And then also on the offensive side, Wyatt Teller, who's our third highest graded guard in the NFL right now, also not going to play in this game for Cleveland offense. So, you know, I, I did earlier this week, we, we like Cleveland getting that many points. It's a lot of points in a divisional matchup. And, you know, against look the Baltimore Ravens, again, talk about teams that look better than their record based on a lot of stuff you look at. Yeah. The Ravens are very much so in that conversation. Yes. But, you know, I thought it was a lot of points. Um, maybe some of the injuries, I think, skew in Baltimore's favor. And then, you know, Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle, has not surrendered a pressure since returning to the lineup now. If they're missing Jadavion Clowney, you know, they can work around Garrett a little bit, maybe get some chip help and do some things to make it a little bit easier there. So I think all of that is kind of skewing in Baltimore's favor. But I think probably kind of a stay away here. A uh, huge game. I mean, K- Cleveland season kind of on the line here. Uh, Baltimore arguably as well. I mean, they, they, you know, it's it's a big game for, for both parties. Yeah, and I mean, uh, yeah, it's. I think that you know the Giants last week played Lamar Jackson about as well as, as anyone possibly could have. I just don't know if the Browns have the capability to do that with the talent that they have on their defense. It's certainly possible, but yeah, six and a half points does seem like a lot for a Browns team that hasn't been terrible. Did lose to Bailey Zappi last week, but probably be leaning a little bit more towards the Ravens in that one. Uh, next up, another somewhat surprising line here: the Jets favored by one point over the Denver Broncos in Denver point total in this one is 38. As we mentioned earlier, Elijah Moore out uh, after that trade request. Wide receiver Braxton Barrios was limited yesterday. Russell Wilson was limited yesterday. I think that the belief is that Russell Wilson, or at least the Jets are preparing as if Russell Wilson is going to play in that game. Uh, he is dealing with a hamstring injury, however, but I mean, Apparently Vegas buys the the four and two hot start Jets here. I just Denver's defense is so good that I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'd maybe be a little bit more tempted to take the the dog and the under in this game with the Broncos and under thirty eight points. Before I jump in, Doug, if I told you before week one that Russell Wilson's Broncos would be a home underdog to the New York Jets, what would you have said to me? Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I would have said lay off the drugs there, Brad. I mean, this is insane. <laughs> it, it's, it's insane. Like I, and like I said, Jets fans have been loving themselves. It's amazing. Like I've gone I, because I, I covered the Patriots for eight years or whatever it was. Like I went to Jets games every year for eight years in New York. There was literally, I don't think there was a single time there was ever buzz around the New York Jets. Like there was always zero buzz. MetLife Stadium was like silent, terrible to go into, like gray. This is cool. It's awesome that Jets fans now are like coming out of the woodwork. And like anytime that you tweet anything about like that mentions a Jets player or anything like that, like Jets fans just like barrage you with tweets. And I don't know, the NFL is probably much better when the Giants and the Jets are good because you forget that they're in this massive market with all of these fans who have just been dormant for so many years because their teams have been doormat. So, yeah, I'll get off my soapbox here, but it's cool that Jets fans are actually being vocal now. 
sometimes they don't like getting yelled at on Twitter all day long, but I promise you in the PFF offices behind closed doors or behind Slack chat doors, we love it. I mean, yeah. it's so much fun to have these passionate, excited fan yes. bases engaging, and the Jets are, they've been a lot of fun so far this year. But anyway, yeah, they also opened plus three and a half or plus three, depending on the book, and it's moved all the way across zero and out of the other side. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, I think his injury, I think I agree right. with you, he's a tough guy. He doesn't really miss time, but maybe Vegas thinks he's not going to be 100% because it's yeah. – it's the shoulder and the hamstring. I don't think the shoulder is, is fully healed at this point. He had that ball like to, uh, I want to say it was Jerry Judy that was about 10 yards under thrown in the Chargers game over the middle. It right. fell. It was like one of the, you know, I, I looked at it and said, you know, everyone likes to make that Russell Wilson jokes, but this is not a bad throw. This is an injured throw. Right. Um, so, you know, I think all that plays into it. But like you said, I know right now on totals that are, I want to say 39 and under, and they're 9 and 0 this season. So a lot of times you see the low number, you say, oh, well, I want to bet the over because it's so low. They're so low for a reason. Right. Um, I agree. I honestly think this this game could end like seven to three. Like they, they, both of these defenses are so much better than these offenses. Did you see this week that Russell Wilson went like two straight press conferences without saying Broncos country, let's ride? R.I.P. It's a sad, it's sad end. Broncos country, let's ride. Uh, all right, let's get into the next game here. Texans, Raiders, Raiders favored by seven points. In Las Vegas, over the Texans, point total is 45 and a half. Hunter Renfro uh, was not practicing as of yesterday with a hip injury. I believe he was practicing today, or at least Josh McDaniel said that you know, there's some optimism or whatever it is that he could play this weekend. Darren Waller did not practice with a hamstring injury. I think it was the same thing with Josh McDaniels as far as Darren Waller goes. And then wide receiver Matt Collins and wide receiver and uh, tight end Foster Moreau, both limited. There were no major fantasy injuries as far as the Texans go, but – um, yeah, Vegas is making it tough with these with these <laughs> with with these point spreads because I don't know seven points kind of seems like a lot for the Raiders against the Texans. Yeah, and this is you know come off a bye week and we still have Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller not practicing late in the week. I mean that's you know for for Waller's the hamstring that he left early in that game and basically didn't play the rest of the week, but really concerning that you have an entire week off and these guys are still you know not even close to hundred percent coming into this game. Yeah, and uh, we do have a comment here from Jared. He said, so I'm crazy to think the Jets are the better team at this point over the Broncos. I, I don't think you're crazy, but I think that just the fact that that game is in Denver and the Jets are favored tells you that, you know, if this was a neutral playing field, what, the Jets would be favored by... Uh, uh, Brad, I cannot hear you, but uh, did you mute yourself? Uh, okay. Sorry, well, sorry, well, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, everyone. Uh, but yeah, on a neutral playing field, I think the Jets would then be favored by four points in this game. So I mean, not only does Vegas think that the Jets are the better team, they think that they're like kind of not significantly better team, but like a, a sizably different team, a better better team. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Home field is, is less than a field goal nowadays. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Like you said, like they're not only favored, they're favored on the road. Um, you know, are you crazy? The Jets are better. I mean, better betters think they're better. So, uh, you know, we, we can't call you crazy, I guess. Uh, Chargers. Seahawks next up here. Chargers favored by five and a half points in Los Angeles. Point total here is 50 and a half. You've got Seahawks wide receiver Tyler Lockett did not practice yesterday with a hamstring injury on the Chargers side. Running back Joshua Kelly did not practice. Wide receiver Josh Palmer did not practice. Tight end Donald Parham did not practice. And Keenan Allen still limited with that hamstring injury. Um, yeah, 50 and a half points is a lot in this one. It is for sure, because I, again, you know, they asked Keenan Allen, if you need to miss another game and then take the bye week and then return, will you do that? And he was like, yeah, it's very possible. That is what ultimately happens. And Joshua Palmer, uh, I think you listed as a knee here. Or no, it's yeah, concussion. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, th both of those guys might not play. And as good as Mike Williams is, he's the guy that you, you maybe get three, four catches out of. You know, he's not the guy that you're consistently hitting. Maybe Austin Eckler has, you know, 15 targets in this game and gets a ton of work. But um, that's a high total, as bad as Seattle's defense is they finally made some solid adjustments against Arizona um, yeah. and obviously you know got got right for them um, definitely a high total and, and you know a lot of points as well I know George you know George Terry our, our fearless leader loves the Seahawks um, with this many points against the Chargers team um, you know maybe hard to blame them given the, the shakedown of the injuries here uh, definitely and uh, some late breaking news here wide receiver Julio Jones is out for the Buccaneers this week. So that just came in on Twitter. Uh, next up, we've got the Chiefs favored by two points at the San Francisco 49ers. Point total is 49. Uh, Christian McCaffrey sounds like it's possible that he'll play in this game, according to some reports. I think some people have reported that it's likely that he'll play. 
kind of like the Chiefs in this one at, at just uh, favored by two points. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I'm sure he gets mixed in a little bit. Um, obviously, one of the you know easier positions to you know get acclimated to. Um, I mean, Robbie Anderson played on a short week heading into a Thursday, so even this late in in the game, I think McCaffrey will get a couple touches, maybe a goal line package and stuff like that. Obviously, not the full you know kind of playbook and all they do on offense, but I think will be a, a minor factor. I agree with you though. I think the Chiefs probably are are the favorite in this game. Um, the Niners' defense still not quite healthy. Um, you know, lost a lot of guys last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, big time revenge game for Charvarius Ward, the top corner for the 49ers, uh, but he, he got hurt as well. So I also am just looking forward to this, you know, Super Bowl ma- uh, rematch um, from a couple years ago. I think this could be, you know, one of the best games of the, of the weekend. I uh, wish that one was Sunday night instead of the Steelers at the Dolphins. Dolphins favored by seven points at home. Uh, point total is 44 and a half. And uh, Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett cleared from a concussion protocol. Steelers tight end Pat Farmuth also cleared. On the Dolphins side, Jalen Waddle limited with a shoulder injury. And uh, Tua will be back for this game as well, correct? Yes, the ex- full expectation is Tua is going to be a go. And as good as the other quarterbacks have held up, I think he is, you know, clearly a better player than them and, and adds value. Um, and, and we'll get this offense kind of clicking on a, you know, higher cylinder again. Um, you know, and I think this is interesting because Pittsburgh's issue before playing Tom Brady and the Buccaneers was kind of over the middle where Mike McDaniel has made his money. You know, their linebacker situation with Devin Bush. Um, you know, has not been great this year. And, and, and Miles Jack, you know, good veteran, but, you know, kind of you know, got cut for a reason by Jacksonville. They looked good up the middle. Larry Ogunjobi, free agent, pl- played well. Miles Jack had a phenomenal pass breakup early in that game. Devin Bush looked good, the former top 10 overall pick. So, um, you know, it's interesting because I think it does favor Miami. Um, but, you know, Pittsburgh kind of played well in, in the weakness that Miami likes to exploit just last week. I wonder what this point spread would have been if the Steelers didn't win last week. I just feel like... Some point, I don't know. Dolphins were so good earlier in the season that if they can return to form here with Tua, then I think that this could be. I, I feel like the Dolphins could outmatch the Steelers a little bit, but that win last week over the Buccaneers does make things a little bit more interesting. We'll get into this next game a little bit more on Monday's show, but certainly worth mentioning Bears and Patriots. Patriots favored by eight points at home against Chicago Bears. Point total is 39 and a half, and they're favored by eight. With still some questions about who's going to start at quarterback uh, for the New England Patriots. As I mentioned earlier, I was in Foxborough earlier today, and I actually asked Bill Belichick uh, who would be starting at quarterback or if they've made a decision about who's going to start at quarterback this week. And uh, he gave a very illuminating answer here. Has a decision been made about who's going to play quarterback or start quarterback coming up? We're just taking it day by day. Just taking it day by day. Got that smile out of Bill Belichick, though. That's always good. You know, he's uh, he's been a little bit more friendly this year. Yeah, he's having fun with giving non-answers, which you should. You know, when you're, you're going to say nothing and you know that everyone you're saying it to is frustrated, I would chuckle uh, from time to time. You know, actually, Bill Belichick later in the press conference called this the PFF Wire Bowl, uh, which I thought was cool. <laughs> kind of a shout-out to Patriots versus Bears. thought that was a very cool honor for him to say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we touched on this. We all, we will we'll dive into it more on Monday's show. Um Bill Belichick uh, is playing some of the most man coverage in the NFL. I think it actually be, might be the most man coverage in the NFL. Justin Fields is our second lowest graded passer against man coverage, does better against zone. You know, he can take off with his legs, and that kind of can be exploited in a man-to-man scheme. But from a passing perspective, I think it's going to be a long afternoon for the Chicago Bears. Definitely. Uh, Patriots wide receiver Nelson Aguilar was back at practice despite a hamstring injury today. He did not practice yesterday. Uh, wide receiver Kendrick Bourne was been was limited yesterday with a toe injury. Quarterback Mac Jones limited with the ankle injury. Tight end Johnny Smith limited with an ankle injury. And running back Damian Harris, a full go on that hamstring. He missed last week's game with a hamstring injury, but seems like he could wind up back in this game. As far as the whole Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi situation goes, uh, you know, I heard on Tuesday that Mac Jones was around 85 to 90 percent healed on that high ankle sprain but as part of that report i said it's a six-week injury and they're only at week four right now so 85 to 90 percent that makes you feel like okay well then he can definitely play if he's 85 to 90 percent it's a high ankle sprain though so 85 to 90 percent still is not 100 i'm doing some quick math math here it's actually 10 to 15 percent lower than 100 percent uh so i would say that if bailey zappi starts this week which I, I don't – I would say that I'd probably lean more towards Mac Jones playing this week. We'll find out what the final decision here is, though. But if Bailey Zappi plays, 
I wouldn't look at this as like, okay, well, the Patriots are going to go with Bailey Zappi. They like Bailey Zappi more than Mac Jones. I do think that this is an opportunity to be safe against a team, no offense, against the Bears that is not very good. And that I think that they could win uh, if Bailey Zappi or if Jacoby Myers or if uh, Gilbert, Garrett Gilbert was out there at quarterback. Uh, real quick here, because we ran over a little bit, best bets of the weekend. Do you have a best bet uh, for Sunday? Yeah, uh, full for Sunday. I was going to say, again, the New England Patriots. Um, Ooh, all right. <laughs> so I'll just go with that one. You can give a Sunday yeah. one. Um, but, uh, yeah, the other thing working in favor of New England on the other side of the ball is, look, Bailey Zappi is limited. He's still a you know fourth-round rookie. But where he grades really well for us and, and, and you know has a high yards per attempt is when kept clean, when there is no quarterback pressure. Good news, mm-hmm. the Bears have the lowest pressure percentage <laughs> in the NFL per our charting. So I think that also just works so much in their favor that if they were playing against, you know, a Cooper Rush, Dallas Cowboys team, I'd say, look, you know, it, it, it gets more complicated because maybe both teams will struggle. I think Zappy right. with time in the pocket will do enough to win this game. You know, eight points is a lot, but I, I really do think Patriots are going to win by a couple scores here. Uh, yeah, I think they probably will as well. And um, yeah, I, I I think that if I had to go with the best bet this weekend, I'd probably I'd probably go with the Chiefs, uh, only favored by two points over the 49ers. It's in San Francisco, but PFF Greenline gives that a 0.4% edge. So I am going with Greenline on that one uh, for the Chiefs. And I don't know, I just feel like the Chiefs are such a wagon this season. They just came off the loss to the Bills. I can't really imagine them dropping two straight here and the 49ers are certainly good but i'm not sure if they can really stand with the kansas city chiefs in this matchup one thing before we go in new england there's like everyone has been mentioning zappy fever is there like a pun that i'm missing with zappy fever because i was like, like just just get zapped you know just just start with the energy <laughs> the, the electricity yeah i like everyone's talking about zappy fever and i was like I, I, for a while, I was like, am I stupid? Is like happy fever a thing? Or is that like, am I missing some other like, like rhyme to zap or something? I don't think I am. I think that everyone's just being somewhat um, uh, non-creative about everything. But all right, that will do it for today's PFF Wire. We will be back with you guys again on Monday. We'll spend like two and a half hours talking about that Patriots-Bears game. Just kidding. It'll probably only be like two hours. But uh, keep it on PFF.com for all of your news and analysis. Subscribe to PFF plus $79.99 a year. Make sure to download the PFF app. Follow Brad on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Kide. And if you don't want to watch us on YouTube, if you would prefer to listen to us on your phone, you can always subscribe to the PFF Wire podcast on Apple or Spotify. Just search for PFF Wire, and I promise you will find it. I believe in you. We will talk to you guys again on Monday.